a live video podcast where we interview an artist every single week and I have a very special guest for today. And I want to introduce you today to Nikki Kinnett. Hi, how are you doing? Good. Thank yes, you I know you were an amazing jewelry designer, right? But tell me a little bit about Nick and why did you decide to go on this journey? Uh, I think the main reason I decided to go on this journey was actually my mother. She was a jewelry artist when I was younger. Oh. Um, we had a store that we would always fill with new stuff and jewelry making was just one of the things that I would always end up helping her with. So I always have had an interest in it. I've always enjoyed doing it. The process is quite relaxing for me. Yeah. So that's really one of the big reasons that I got started. Into now, this. I know you were born in Germany, right? Correct. Uh, at what age did you move? I moved here when I was about four, so I four. didn't stay over there very long. <laughs> uh -huh. And she had the store here in the U.S.? Yes. Okay, yes. awesome. Now, before we go on, I want people just to take uh, a look at some of your pieces, and we are going to be talking about them uh, in, this, in detail. So how long ago did you start making jewelry? I was 15 when I first started making my very first pieces, just simple wire jewelry, nothing too major, but 15 is when I started. Uh -huh. And what was the medium that you started with for the jewelry making? It was uh, just wire jewelry, but just like the beaded wire bracelets and necklaces, uh -huh. and, you know, the more simple stuff, entry level uh, jewelry making stuff. And then it progressed to wire wrapping and metalsmithing. So the metalsmithing, uh, how long ago did you start that? I have been metalsmithing for about two years now. And you went and started, uh, took a course, or how was the process? I had actually found a class here in Salt Lake uh -huh. and I just started taking that and I have been taking it every week since then. I just yes. love it so much. It's uh -huh. really a good tool for me to learn and it's been a really big inspiration to keep me motivated and keep pushing me forward. Wh which metals do you like to work with the most? I really like silver and I really like brass. I know a lot of metalsmiths don't enjoy brass but I really love it. Well, why they don't like? <laughs> There's just a little more the heat requirement for mm -hmm. it is a little higher so you got to like focus your heat on the brass a little more it just takes a little more time to work with but other than that there's not a lot of differences <laughs> that's cool what about the wire wrapping the wire wrapping is something that I just kind of picked up on myself. I had always seen people doing it and I just kept looking at it. It's like, I know I can make these pieces if I just sit down and apply myself. Mm -hmm. So one day I just picked up some wire and I started weaving and weaving and figured it out and got my first stone wrapped and it's been <laughs> a love ever since then. And you also mix that with the silversmithing, right? Yes. Okay. It's not something I commonly see, but it is something that I definitely gravitated toward right as I started taking metalsmithing. I knew I wanted to be able to combine these two elements uh -huh. together. Because two things that you like to make, exactly, right? Exactly, exactly. Show me one of the pieces uh, where you have mixed the, the silver smithing with the wire. This is just a simple piece, and I actually think you guys have photos of this one, but okay. this is a piece that combines the metal smithing okay, and wire wrapping with reticulation. So you get a lot of cool textures, you get a lot of cool designs, and you can shape the wire so you can really create a lot of different things. That's very cool. It is very cool. And remember, guys, this is a live podcast for the reason that we love your interaction. So if you feel like asking a question to Nick, use either the comment box or the chat box near the video. That's, that is the best place to, to do that. So what kind of pieces do you like to create the most? I love big statement pieces. Uh -huh. I've always loved big gaudy jewelry and those are definitely my favorite kinds of things to make. Anything bold that has a meaning behind it or is just a good artistic 
standing piece on uh -huh. its own. Those are definitely my So, you, of course, you sell your jewelry as well. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm all for a statement. Uh, I, I don't wear tiny little things. Yeah, dainty I, is not for me. <laughs> yeah, it's not for me either. But are they good sellers? Because when you look around, a lot of people just like a, a minor detail, right, uh, as a jewelry Yeah, piece. I've actually had a lot of luck selling my statement pieces, and one of the comments that I get quite frequently is, oh, you're the person that sells the big jewelry. Oh, I've been looking for uh -huh. big, gaudy pieces, well, and that. I'm like, oh, perfect, here uh -huh. I am for uh -huh. you. <laughs> that's very cool, that's very cool. Now, show that picture. I, squids are one of my favorites, and tell me a little bit about the process for this piece. Uh, this one, was actually pretty fun. So the pieces are, it comes in three pieces, the okay. dome shape on the top, and then there's a flat backing with all the wire wrap tentacles in it. Oh. So this is actually a combination piece along with the other one that I showed you of wire wrapping with your metal smithing. Nice, huh? So I just shaped the dome, I soldered all the tentacles to the back plate, and then soldered the domed headpiece on top of that. So it was actually a pretty easy process. Uh -huh. um, but but I really, yeah, yeah, it's a And it's copper, piece. right, the, the metal there? It is actually copper and brass. A copper and brass, mm -hmm. that's phenomenal. Thank you. Very cool. Very <laughs> Thank cool. You. Let's go through the bugs first, right? Okay. So since we started with the squid, what about this one or, yeah? I love to make bugs. Me too. They are some of my favorite things to do. I've always just enjoyed the look of bugs. So I've always wanted to try and incorporate that into my work. Um, uh -huh. To make this guy, I actually buy the little brass bug stamp. It's a hollow back stamp. So you oh. have to solder that onto a back plate to get it to be a complete solid piece. And the so you can add yeah. the brooch pin. So you get this base and then you stamp it? Is that what you said? Uh, it, it's already pre-stamped. It's done okay. on a hydraulic press, oh. which is not something I own currently. Mm -hmm. So I just find them online. <laughs> and the stone? The stone was citrine. Citrine. Mm -hmm. You don't do rock hounding at all, do you? I do actually. A oh, me bit. too. I, some of these stones I have cut myself. Uh -huh. Most of them, though, I just you know buy from That's cool. gym fairs That's and cool. such. I, I have some pieces that I made that is started exactly like I went rock hounding. I actually have one that is. Um, Oh, I forgot the name of the stone. It's a black stone. I love it. And I went and I rock hounded and then I cut it and then I did the We live in a great it. place for yeah, rock hunting, Yeah, we do. Honestly. We do. It's <laughs> awesome for that. Okay, more bugs. More bugs. This was actually one that I made a while ago and sold, but I loved this piece. It was supposed to be a lightning bug. So his oh. body is actually a honey calcedi, so it's like a bright yellow stone mm. with a moonstone head. And then I got those wings on there after stamping them and then just soldering them down and folding them over the stone. So it was kind of a process, but I think it was definitely oh, yeah. worth it. Oh, yes. And Jeannie is asking, where do you find the most inspiration from? Uh, a lot of my inspiration definitely comes from nature. Being raised in the Utah mountains, I was surrounded by it my whole life. So I definitely pull most of my inspiration from that. So when you're not creating jewelry, you're getting inspired to create jewelry? Pretty much. Going <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what, uh, what do you like to do around here? What are your hobbies? My, my hobbies now are just jewelry making. <laughs> like Taking classes not only and making time, jewelry. All the time. Yep. I okay. mean, I definitely like to go rock hounding. I definitely like to just go hike through nature. You know, we've got a lot of beautiful places here. So yes, I definitely true. enjoy being outdoors. Mm -hmm. Whenever it's not too cold. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Marcin is saying, I love your bugs. Thank you. Thank do you Do we so have more much. bugs here? Uh, I do have one. The beetle. Ooh. 
So this is another brass stamping uh -huh. that I've just soldered onto the sheet silver and then added reticulation. And this is actually the project that I'll be building in the class. Oh, really? Yes. Nice. We're exciting about that. Very cool. Now, I know you like to play with other mediums. And I, I, I personally love the girls over there. Thank you. Let's, uh, can we give a close up on those? I think they, they can get that for Perfect. us. Perfect. But tell me a little bit about the process of those. Uh, the process, I just had to, the faces are a button that I found at the sewing store and I just thought they were really neat and I wanted uh -huh. to incorporate them into something. So I just sat down with some white clay and started sculpting the bodies, uh, pressed the button into where the head would be, and then baked them. After that, I actually painted it with nail polish to Ooh. get a nice shiny lacquer on it. That's interesting. Thank you. <laughs> uh, so is polymer clay another thing that you enjoy very much or is something that you started with, now you don't? Uh, polymer clay has always just kind of been like a side thing for me. I just enjoy sometimes building my own displays like the uh -huh, machines and uh -huh. stuff. And I think polymer clay is just a really good way to do that. That's very cool. That's very cool. Jo uh, Joan is asking, what is reticulation? Reticulation is the process of melting silver scraps onto your piece. And that's what gives the um, ridging and that like bumpy, sandy texture that you see beside the So what the I see in the back. Yeah. Okay. And is, is that a complicated process? It's not a no, complicated no. process. I mean, yeah. you do have to bombard your piece with a lot of heat, but uh -huh. as long as you're just watching it and keeping your flame moving, it's really not a hard thing to do. What about the, let, let, let's suppose, because of course in every single podcast we have beginners and you, we have very experienced people. Uh, for me to start diving into the wire wrapping with the silver smithy, what kind of setup do I need for that? Uh, you don't need a lot of stuff. I actually have a pretty small setup at home myself. I live in an apartment, so they don't allow me to have certain tools and like large tanks for yeah. fire and stuff. So I actually use a propane torch, the little handheld propane torches. Okay. Um, that's one of the most important things you'd need, a fire brick, and then just a couple of the hand tools like round nose pliers and flush cutters and stuff for the wire wrapping portion of it. So you don't need a bunch of things. To so it's get not a huge investment. It's not a started. huge investment. No. And they allow the butane tank? In, they in do the actually. Wow. It's just the right size that they allow us to have, so it works out perfectly. You know, you you were in a quite big space here, right? Yes. We were not allowed to have that. That is crazy. Yeah, we actually <laughs> had a, a setup because you know we we have so many classes, but we had to work with map gas. Oh. Because they wouldn't allow the butane. Isn't that fun? That is crazy. Tell me a little bit about the wire wrapping. So I, I, I think you have some pieces over there also. Mm -hmm. you, you like stones a lot, right? I love stones. Me They're too. always the focal point of my pieces okay. usually. I, that's what really drew me in is I always loved stones. And I always wanted to be able to take the rocks that I was finding and put them into jewelry. Uh -huh. And wire wrapping was a really good way to do that at the time. That's very cool. This is a piece that I've actually really liked. This is an aquamarine set in uh, steel and pewter wire. Hmm. So it's a little bit more of an affordable alternative to silver metal than just using straight okay. sterling silver wire. I, I love the, the wave you have on thank it. You, right? Thank you, thank you. It's very cool. How long does it take you to create a piece like it? So that's only wire and the stone, correct? Correct. So how long does it take you? That one took me about six and a half hours to do. So wire wrapping can be a time-consuming process but the more you do it the faster you yeah. get you know you can uh -huh. really get the process and 
it gets easier as you go. <laughs> it's something that you can do watching TV, actually. Exactly. Right? <laughs> That's what I really love about yeah. it, because it doesn't take a lot of tools. You can just sit on your couch and wire wrap your life away. <laughs> yeah, that's true, that's true. Okay, so let's take a close-up now on the pieces that you have on these two stands. Tell me a little bit about them. So this piece here is another one that I've actually combined the wire wrapping and the metal smithing. As you okay. can see, I've got a border around it that's the wire wrap border that I then sweat soldered to the back sheeting of the piece, which I thought just gave it a really nice kind of art deco feel. Uh -huh. And I was really about that at the time. And, <laughs> so. and the chain, you also made the chain or? Yes, the larger rings I did create myself. And then the nice. final chain on the back is actually a pre-made pewter chain just uh -huh. to keep it a little more hypoallergenic against that's people's skin. Cool. That's very cool. Thank you. And this one? This one I really enjoyed doing just because I also like beadworking. Mm -hmm. um, I wire wrapped the pendant and then I also made the clasp on the back, not that you can see that. <laughs> but basically just got the pendant wrapped and then started stringing the beads. It okay, was... so what we are seeing are the beads, uh, show a little bit the pendant as well so they can see. Nice, beautiful work. Yeah, this one I really like. Big, bold statement piece. Uh -huh. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> If you're going to wear it, wear it. Exactly, <laughs> it needs to be visible. Uh, uh, Susie's asking, how did you come up with mixing wire wrapping and silversmithing? I really am not sure. I was just sitting in my apartment one day and I was just sitting there wrapping and wrapping and I was like, wow, I wonder if I could just solder this onto something because I'd really like to make a little clasp or something. And yeah. it ended up working and I just went with it. I've just been running with it ever since. There was nothing really that pointed out like, hey, you should be doing this. My brain just kind of did it itself. <laughs> and then you said, mm, I think I like it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and Max is asking, how many hours in a week do you dedicate to your jewelry making? Uh, literally all of it. Um, <laughs> any spare time I have goes to jewelry making. It's my main source of income right now. So I just spend a good 40 hours a week making jewelry. <laughs> so you, you took the jump of going full time. You're teaching and selling the pieces, yes, correct? correct? And that's that's your job now. That is that's my job. That's your now. job. Yes. Yeah. And then when you're home, you're thinking about it. And when you yeah. go to sleep, the inspiration comes. <laughs> exactly. And you wake up in the morning and go try to see if it works. Yeah. More or less like yeah, that. exactly. <laughs> Sometimes it doesn't, but that's okay. I, I think that's a combination that happens to a lot of artists, exactly like that. We, we take the plunge into going full-time, and, and going full-time into anything is not a simple process. It's not. And it requires a lot of courage. And then when you're in that, it, it becomes a 24-hour kind of thing, it right? Does. Yeah, <laughs> it's hard to separate your real life yeah. from your and business you, life. <laughs> and then somebody comes up with a small talk, and you are going, ha, 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 and you're thinking, oh, what if I mix that? <laughs> <laughs> that is so true. <laughs> and the other thing is trying to combine the things you love. So, for example, you love the rocks, you love beading, you love the wire wrapping, and with that, it actually makes you find your own voice. It really does. It's right? really helped me to like hone in on the kind of style of jewelry that I want to create and the looks that I want to create. So it's been really fun. It is fun and it's important because when we think about jewelry market, uh, talk about competition, oh, right? Yes. You not oh. only compete with other artists, unfortunately you're going to to also compete with cheap pre-made stuff as well, right? Very true, very true. So finding your own style I think is even more important than in other mediums because you know 
in other meetings, you know, you don't face the competition That's true. that you face. At yeah, jewelry. jewelry really needs to like, you really need to stand apart from everybody. Mm -hmm. So it is definitely important to find your own voice and what it's, you want to do. Yeah, you become unique. I remember about a year ago, I was looking to some shows and when you go and to fill the form, some of them say no jury making because they are always bombarded. Yeah. So they are the, always the first slots that that get filled, and that's something that you have to think. Okay, I need to be stand out in exactly. some way. So it doesn't matter that it's jury. Yeah. They want me there. Right? And I really think that the combining of these two, the wire wrapping and the metal smithing, definitely puts you in a different yes. realm because yes. not a lot of people are doing it that I've noticed, mm -hmm. but it's def people definitely like it. So. I haven't seen many also yeah. mixing, yes. Um, Max is asking, do you sell your work? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> I sell it on Etsy, Facebook, or just in person. Anywhere I can sell a piece, I'm happy to sell it. <laughs> so uh, price-wise then, let's talk a little bit about that. It's it the, You put the same what you do online with uh, a show in person? Or, oh, yes. Yes. Give us an idea how you price your pieces. Um, well, with the silver pieces, you know, silver... It's, you buy it by the ounce. Right now it's at $18 an ounce. So Is this high or low? That's pretty money? high. It's pretty high. So you really have to make sure that you weigh, weighing your silver is a good way to tell how much money that you should charge for it. Um, you know, if you've got a piece that's three ounces, you definitely want to make sure that you're getting your money back worth of your mm -hmm. silver. So just keep that in mind. Brass and copper is a little easier to price because it's a lot cheaper. Mm -hmm. So you can keep pricing down a lot by using those metals. But silver, you definitely, it's, it's a learning curve with silver. <laughs> so the costs really need to be thought about, right? Yeah. Uh, and then do you have a percentage that you put on top? Do you calculate by time? Each artist is different. They so are. So how, um, how do you work? For wire wrapping, I usually have an hourly rate, okay. uh, about $20 an hour for my work on a wire wrapped piece. Um, but that's really the only formula I have okay. so far as for pricing pieces. Again, with the silver pieces, I just weigh them and uh -huh. calculate double the price of the stone usually, and then the weight of the silver. Okay. Yeah, that's always tricky, isn't it? The price is always a, a, a complicated yeah, subject. Yeah, I think that's right? like the common question for uh -huh. artists is what do I price this at? What uh -huh. do I price this at? Well, I have a rule. I don't know if you want to know about it, but I'll tell you anyway. I'd love to hear. I really, when I'm pricing anything, anything, okay, from a digital product to, to a piece that I made, I really think about how, what's the perception of value in this piece. So for example, I love bugs, okay? So the perception of value for me when you have a piece with a bug will be higher just because I like the theme, of course. right? Yeah. But then I look, is it intricate or not? And on, 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 an, on an ideal situation, I would charge this much. So it's not based on time or, of course I need to know the costs, mm -hmm. but it's not based on time at all. I think it's quite complicated to base yourself on time. Because what you be. see, especially in the art world, is that many people uh, comparing what they are doing to whatever uh, piece in crafts you may be selling out there. Mm -hmm. Or the judgment of people don't have money to pay this yeah. much for this, I, right? And we judge our audience, which is a terrible habit. Right, you should true. never touch. And and you the the last thing is to be very confident when you're asking for the price because that is also true. That's a very right? good point. If, yeah. if your voice shakes when you ask ten dollars for whatever, 
the person on the other side will think it's They'll not worth it. If you don't exactly. believe it, yeah. they're not going to believe <laughs> exactly. it, right? And that's, that's another thing I hear a lot is just price at whatever you feel comfortable mm -hmm. at pricing it and just stand behind that price. It is your artwork and you, you do need to get what you think is best for yeah. it. And you need to be able to achieve the lifestyle that you, you're exactly. going for mm -hmm. and underpricing can keep you from oh, doing definitely. that, right? Uh, Joanne asked, how was it to take the leap of faith to become a full-time artist? Tell me about that process first and then answer her question. Uh, for me, it was... In the beginning, it was a bit scary, but after a couple weeks into it, I started to get really pumped. I was really excited, and I think a lot of that just comes from me getting out of the retail environment and starting to work for myself, uh -huh. which is something I had always really wanted to do. I you know, have a hard time answering to managers and things. I just uh -huh. want to do what I want to do. and. So after the first couple of weeks, it really got easier and easier. I just got more and more confident. And once people started buying my stuff, you know, you definitely build confidence once you're selling pieces. Uh, so it's just been a gradual uphill for me, but like in a good way. <laughs> well, but you always have the thing that you have to pay bills and you have to pay exactly. your rent, your mortgage. Yeah, I got to live. <laughs> you got to live, right? So you, you leave the, the job environment and you transition. To, uh, did, you, did you have a cushion there, savings? Or you say, you know what? I'm going to do it. I didn't have a savings saved up, but I was fortunate enough that I have a wonderful family who has been helping me nice. a lot with my living situation. I live with my brother right now. Me and him uh -huh. split an apartment. So that helps keep my cost of living low. Okay. And that has been a really big help on this, in this journey. All <laughs> uh, no, right. And, and that's what we need to find. Really yeah. People that support what we do. Because in any business, you, you don't succeed overnight. That's true. For you to have an idea, when we started Curious Mondo, for example, the very first year, we had uh, maybe four or five people working here with us. All of us didn't get paid for a very long time, right? And I didn't get paid for a very long time. <laughs> but you either believe that what you're doing can happen or you don't, right? And you cannot let fear uh, make the decision That's for you because fear true. is always there, right? It definitely. Is. I, I bet you have no your times, of even even splitting with your brother. You're thinking, how am I going to get the money for this month? Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, no, <laughs> that it's happens. definitely like that from time to time. But uh -huh. I just have to think back to how unhappy I was working in retail and stuff, and just remember that this is what I want to do, and I need to keep pushing myself forward because ultimately, this is my life. I want to be an artist, and I, this is how I want to live my life. Nice, nice. Uh, Kelly is asking. Love the passion you have for your creations. The zone is real and it's inspiring that you are there. Thank you so much. <laughs> and Max is asking, how do you stay focused now? Because also working by yourself, it's very easy to unfocus. Uh, it is. I, I've never really had that issue, honestly. Mm. I've always been, the only thing I've ever been able to focus on in my life is art. I've yes. always had a really hard time like mm. doing anything else, but my mind is always backtracking to art and new designs and new ideas. And so it's always been really easy for me to stay focused on this. <laughs> now, I have to say that uh, you said you were born in Germany. So usually, and you know, my family also came from Germany, very systematic, down to earth, usually people, right? So when you come and say, okay, I want to be an artist, what was really the reaction you had around 
around you at that time? Go for it, or it was a would lot it be of, better to be an engineer? <laughs> no, it was a lot of go for it. Um, I've been doing some kind of art my whole life, and okay. even as a young Since kid, small. yeah, even as a young kid, people were always like, "Wow, you're so good at this!" and da da da. So it's just that's always been my goal, you know. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> and and what are you? So now I, I know you're teaching locally, and of course you're coming to Curious Mondo, and I know you participating in shows and things. Mm -hmm. What are your plans moving forward? Um, plans moving forward. I'm really just hoping to upgrade everything. You know, I'm still in that phase where I'm kind of growing, getting a lot of the new tools and a lot of things that metalsmithers use. So my goal this year is to just acquire a lot of those new tools and really upgrade my process so I can bring more interesting pieces to the uh -huh. table. There's never enough tools, never you know enough. that. Right? <laughs> never <laughs> it's a never-ending process. <laughs> Let's see some of the pieces we haven't talked about. You know better than me what's on this table. Tell All me. Right. So this is a piece I really enjoy. It's a, a, ring. a ring that I've created using a rainbow moonstone and sterling silver. Mm -hmm. I really always have loved flowers. I like to try and recreate them all the time, mainly just because they're very organic. Yeah. You know, they don't have a specific shape. If it comes out a little wrong, it doesn't matter. Um, so uh, this is one I really enjoy doing. And I always make flowers. I'm That's just good. constantly making flowers. <laughs> And so a piece like this, how much would you sell it for? Uh, this one, I'm running about $100. Okay. And it's silver, you said, It right? is sterling silver. Okay. And the moonstone is a bit of a, you know, a nicer gemstone. Yes. So you definitely want to keep that into consideration, too. Um, when you're buying some of the gemstones, you know, you can get them at a cheaper price, but you need to up your prices a little bit when you're selling them retail. Mm -hmm. uh, you, have another, you don't need to get that, but you, you have another polymer clay piece over there, right? Yes. Okay. The... Bleeding Hearts necklace. Oh. Um, I'd always loved Bleeding Hearts. Couldn't really find any charms or anything uh -huh. to make a Bleeding Hearts necklace, so I just decided to sculpt them out of polymer clay That's and nice. then lacquer them. And then what else do we have there? We have the, the earrings. Oh yes, we've got a lot of stuff. The earrings I really like, and this these earrings were also made with the reticulation that I'll be showing how to do. Oh. So they're a post back So the reticulation is on top there, right? Yes, it is. Okay. And then we've actually, I was inspired by the red arches. Oh, of, here in Utah, yep, yeah. When I made this, so I thought that was pretty fun. That's Representing right. Utah. Yes. <laughs> and then we have some wire wrap pieces here, right? Yes, this one is one I really like. This big chunky fella. It is an amethyst jersey that I've set in all brass. Nice, I like the brass. Thank you. It's very rare, actually, that you see pieces in brass, right? Did it is, read? and it is just because a lot of artists have an aversion to using it. Okay, um, just because of the heat thing? The heat, and when you're wire wrapping with brass, it is very springy. You have to really, really focus on getting a tight weave with the brass because it just wants to push back out all the time. So I, I want you to put it back there because I, I want the close-up on the wire wrapping part here so they can see how intricate that is. And uh, the wire there was what, brass as well? Or? Yes, yes, all of this is brass, oh, look how even the little that's brass stunning. beads. That is really amazing. Thank you. Okay. Very cool. And the other one beside it? The other one here is just an oxidized copper piece. I'm not sure what this stone was, but I loved it and I knew mm -hmm. I had to make it into something. 
Um, but another big statement piece that I just absolutely love. Yeah. It's a bit of a simpler wrap, something a little easier for uh -huh. people to accomplish if you're not super experienced at the wire weaving, but still beautiful. Now, you will be giving a course here at Curious Mondo. So tell me a little bit about what you plan to show people. So I'm definitely going to be going over some simple soldering techniques and how to prep the wire pieces to have them solder really well. Sometimes mm -hmm. when you're wire weaving, the pieces tend to stay a little puffy. So you kind of want to work around that to make sure that your solder is going to grab everything nicely. And the reticulation that I'll be showing you actually really helps with that. Nice. Yes. Nice. That's very cool. Uh, Julie saying, I love how intricate your work is. Thank you. Thank you so much. <laughs> now, Nick, tell me, uh, for people that are thinking about going to Silversmithing, Meadows Meeting, what, what's the best piece of advice you can give to them? Uh, just go for it. It's not as intimidating as it looks. I know you're working with a lot of fire and a lot of big tools, but it is really not that bad. And if you're interested in going into it, I just say dive into it. It's, you won't regret it. <laughs> <laughs> At least you, we are going to have a lot of jewelry for yourself. Exactly. <laughs> That's very cool. That's very cool. Okay. Any final piece of, uh, input for people, you know, they, they are already inspired. Can we give a, show the, all the pieces here so they can take a look at Nick's work? Tell us again where they can find your pieces and where they can find you on social media. Um, I actually do have an online store or an Etsy store. Okay. Uh, frequently unique one, <laughs> frequently unique one. Okay. Um, that's mainly where I sell a lot of my pieces right now, uh -huh. just online, on Facebook. Um, I sell a lot of it from my Facebook page and my so you can always go there if you're interested in anything. So, so you use Facebook as a marketing tool. How Abs often absolutely. do you post a, uh, a piece? Every, at least once a week. At least um, once a week. Yeah, because uh -huh. I know that you, know, you need to keep the algorithms good. You need to <laughs> keep posting to keep people interested. So I'm always posting. Anytime I'm working on a new piece or any new piece that gets completed, I'm always posting it. And the response has been good for you? Absolutely. I've, I've seen more and more uh, a, a good response coming out for artists out of Facebook. But Same. you have to be persistent, Definitely. right? It's not yes. posting, oh, I post it on my wall. That's enough. People don't like to be bugged with what I make. They're connected with you because they like your style. Exactly. Right? Yeah. It's in, the, in the case of an artist. So at least, do you use any other uh, online platforms that you like, social media platforms? Uh, Instagram. Instagram. Instagram is one I really like. And how is that working for you? Instagram is a little slower for me. Mm -hmm. um, but it's still a really good tool. I've still gotten a lot of people coming to me through Instagram, so it's still a really nice thing to have. Um, but I definitely get better responses from Facebook. And the marketing piece, uh, is it something that you're just learning as you go? Or you, you had some help on that no, or some courses? It's, or? it's really just something I'm kind of learning as I go. Uh -huh. I'm just trial and error with that. Okay, good, <laughs> good. Well, that, that's the way, because if you don't try, nothing happens. Exactly. <laughs> and if you try, there are only two things that can happen. It'll they either work or not. Exactly. And if they're not, instead of crying and saying nobody likes my pieces, which, which I've seen several times people saying, is what could I have made different in the process, not in the piece, in the process, right? Mm -hmm. uh, we, we hear, deal with this all the time with, with a ton of artists that many times they really think, no, I post once and that's enough. I don't want to bug people <laughs> and say, yeah, but uh, it, it would that's be good. That's how people if, forget about you. Yes, yes. <laughs> exactly. out, of, out of the 
light out of mind, right? Exactly, we, we are exactly. all very stimulated during the day. We just don't retain. Even when people say, go to this website, when you get, I, we, I see that in shows. Do you have a business card? No, I don't. I, I don't use that anymore. <laughs> there, I say, yeah, and you think I'm going to see 50 artists and remember what's your <laughs> exactly. website by the end. Yeah. <laughs> right? So, yeah. Well, Nick, it was a pleasure having you, you here. Thank you. And of course, Nick will be at Curious Mondo, I think in three weeks, if I'm not wrong. I right? think you're right. And we are going to be making books and reticulating mm -hmm. and wire, and wire wrapping. wrapping. It's yes. going to be a blast. You it's guys going will learn to be a, blast. a lot. So. Yes. <laughs> and, and if you don't know Curious Mondo, well, knock at the door because we live stream all our courses for free and you get to see everything there. And it's, go it's so addicting that there are people that even during the night we go there, they're still on the site. They love it. So you are going to know Nick even better and you are going to learn these amazing pieces that he's making and you can incorporate in your toolbox later, right? So I hope, I really hope you come and join us. It's in about three weeks and love it. Monday, Tuesday and Wednesday from 9 to 12. And again, this podcast, it stays where it is. So if you know people that would be inspired or you're thinking, oh, they should go into jewelry making or specifically silversmithing and wire wrapping, Tell them to come and watch later. It doesn't go away. It's going to be in all podcast platforms, including Spotify. And it's only content. See, nobody's asking you to pay for anything, which means it is okay for you to post in groups as well because it's all about content and highlighting the artists. Uh, I want to thank you very, very much. You for being here. Thank you, you for being here and being here with us and spending this time with us. And we'll be back here next week. Thank you so much.